What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. It's time for us to talk about AEW Revolution 2020. We're going to break down the card from top to bottom and all the elements that goes along with that, whether it comes to the prediction side of things, the projections of what happens afterward, what we expect to be the best matches, any of that kind of stuff, the way that we normally do here. I am your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me as always is Callum Wiggins. The number of pay-per-view predictions has killed Rob. Yeah, he, uh, R.I.P. He, he had a good run. <laughs> R.I.P. for PPVP. Is that, actually, that's how I would probably do it. Pay-per-view yeah. point. PPVP. Huh. I think if I say yeah. that enough times, I should get that to catch on. <laughs> I wonder more, I'm just wondering, how do we... In what in what style font do we put his thing on his tombstone? <laughs> uh, let's see, maybe like that. Uh, how people have that tendency to take those script fonts and they make it all in caps, and then it looks awful because it's not meant to be like that. You know what I mean? And that sounds like what you'd want. Would want. <laughs> <laughs> Rob will be hopefully joining us again tomorrow for the Super Showdown uh, post show. And we will, of course, carry on with the rest of the week with the fourth pay-per-view point episode of Smack Talk when we talk about the post-show of AEW Revolution. But before we get into Revolution predictions, let's just address uh, the Super Showdown adjustments that they added to the card because we did our predictions for that yesterday because we got to figure out sometimes to squeeze these things in. And they added three matches. So, yeah, this is, you know, you... Tune into the AEW Revolution one, and you're expecting to just get that, but you're getting a little bonus WWE too. They added Mansoor against Dolph Ziggler. They added the Viking Raiders against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows of the OC. And they added, of course, because you can't get this done another 15 times, Angel Garza versus Umberto Carrillo. Um, I don't want to see any of these matches for the most part. I do think Mansoor versus Dolph Ziggler has a chance to be good, but they didn't they didn't even do a minute's worth of build for it. So that's annoying. Viking Raiders versus OC, they're not even feuding right now. They haven't touched each other in any capacity in months, as far as I know. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting something on like some house show loop or something like that, but that seems like it's just a waste of time. And we just saw Carrillo and Garza, like just just Monday. And we've seen it over and over and over again. Like, I don't know why they just want to go that again. Repeat. Give me the same thing. There's no extra tweak to it. There's no. Uh... Yeah, that's pretty much the situation with all these match is the. I guess it'd be interesting if the OC come out with their. That's not so much on the line, but that's something that they can call back to from the previous Saudi Arabia event. Humberto uh, Carrillo versus Angel Garza will probably be good, but again, you have, you've seen it before and you're going to see it next Monday in a tag team form with uh, Rey Mysterio and Andrade added into the mix. So it's nothing really special to have it on this show as well. Uh, Mansoor versus Dolph Ziggler, it could be good. And it's obviously likely that Mansoor would win that match because it is Saudi Arabia and he wins all the time. He's like wins all the time in Saudi Arabia. But Dolph Ziggler is seemingly being geared up for a WrestleMania feud with Otis. <laughs> Just the weirdest thing to say. <laughs> but 
but yeah, so maybe he, maybe it's not great for him to lose this match. But at the end of the day, it's a Saudi Arabia show. Mansoor wins, and nobody really cares about the repercussions following it. So, so yeah, if, if I if I have to make predictions on these ones, I'd just go, I don't know, Viking Raiders, Korea, and Mansoor. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, Garza beat Korea on Raw, so they have the opposite happen. Mansoor wins because it's Saudi Arabia, and the Viking Raiders beat. Uh, OC because the OC they lose a lot. It's AJ Styles is the one that wins. Gallows and Andersons are the ones that tend to lose. And since Viking Raiders lost to the OC in Saudi Arabia the last time for that whole whole uh, World Cup thing, they just they do the opposite again. So I don't know. We'll see. That just means that unfortunately my idea that I had said ahead of time of I'd be cool with a shorter pay per view just means that they tacked on an extra forty five minutes for these three matches. And I'm like, ah crap you know okay can we move on to the good show now (laughs) well before we move on i want to remind everybody tell us your thoughts of not just the super showdown stuff in that side of uh things but you want to leave a comment below on this one or you want to leave it on the other platforms with the super showdown stuff but um you know chime in with your opinions for that and for the aew revolution card that we're going to break down do that in the comments below on YouTube. And while you're over on YouTube, if you have not subscribed already, hit that button, ring that little notification bell, like the video as well, because that is greatly appreciated. And uh, if you are on the Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, all the other kind of things like that that are audio only, then you can't do the comments thing, but you can leave a star rating or something on a lot of those. And that helps out a lot too. So if you would be so kind to do that, I would be greatly, greatly uh, appreciative of it. We'll talk some other plugs a little bit later on, but I don't want to, I don't want to bog you down in plugs quite yet. So let's start talking AEW. Uh, we of course are doing this ahead of time. It should be up ahead of time before Dynamite. So there may be some adjustments to the card, and I would kind of assume that's the case because they only have six matches that are announced, and for some reason they're falling behind on like not adding the graphics up for Cody and MJF and some other things and stuff. So. I don't know why they're necessarily waiting until then, but the past couple events, they haven't done like 15 matches or so, but they have had more than six. So I am assuming that they're going to add at least maybe two matches. Uh, You know what? Let me double check about uh, how many were on full gear because I think that it was around eight, if I remember correctly. Um, According to the Wikipedia page, it was eight one of them being like a pre-show match because they haven't announced anything for the buy-in yet. So we might get like, I don't know, Joey Janela versus Skip Sabian or uh, Sean Spears in some kind of a tag team situation or SCU versus Dark Order or something. First question I have for you, Callum, is uh, what do you think that they might add to the card? Well, I think the most obvious one would be something to do with the Dark Order against SCU. That seems to be the big thing that they're building towards is the the whole speculation surrounding Christopher Daniels potentially joining the Dark Order or being like even the exalted one that they keep talking about. But I feel like I don't know whether it will just be a straight up tag team match. And even if it is a tag team match, I don't know whether it will be like Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Stu yeah, Stu Grayson, or it'll be Alex Reynolds and yeah, the other jobber guy. John Again. Silver, I think. Yeah, John Sil yeah, John Silver, yeah. Against um against uh, Kazarian and uh Scorpio Sky. But 
or, or it'll be some sort of six-man tag, or whether we see something, because they teased the idea that Shima might be joining the Dark Order as well. So, so maybe Shima comes out and, and comes out in a mask and he joins the Order as well. But yeah, I, I imagine that that's probably the most likely match that would be added to it. They seem to be, have been building towards it more than anything else. But it doesn't mean that any of the matches, any of the other matches, because they've built at least like out of the six they've put together so far, at least five of them have had pretty good builds in my mind. So I don't really need to add anything that has a significant build towards it. It just needs to be a good match to fit fit out the card. Especially if it's on the buy-in. Yeah, exactly. I I can imagine, I don't know whether they'd have a match, but they should at least have a segment involving Britt Baker because she's been very good on the microphone recently. Yeah, they could have her maybe do that during the buy-in too or something. Well, the buy-ins... Have the buy-ins been half an hour or an hour? I can't, I can't remember. I think they've been an hour, but they've always been a bit like they don't they don't really go the full hour. They kind of cut off about ten fifteen minutes before, and then there's just like fifteen minutes of dead air oh. before heading into the actual show. I could see them doing something like a match and a Baker promo for the the buy-in. That makes sense to me. Yeah, that would work. I could see a match like. Because there's only one women's match on the show so far, so I could see something on the buy-in between, I don't know, uh, a big swole against uh, Hikaru Shida or something like that. I I can't really predict it because it's just like a lot of the women's matches are kind of just thrown together in AEW. I'm going to lavish a lot of praise on AEW for this whole thing because I feel like this has been a very well-booked and well-put-together card. But there is still some. I'm I'm still not like blind enough to see there's still some serious problems with their women's division. Yeah, that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I mean that's the one match that's not been built up at all compared to the other ones. And if they did do something that had any bit of a build to add another women's match, the only thing I could think of is Yuka Sakazaki against Britt Baker. Oh yeah, because of obviously the um the the, the tooth thing. injury. Yeah, yeah, the death. Yeah, the dental work. You could have. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that really stands out. You know that Awesome Kong is out filming for Glow, so she won't be involved. I mean, like, they it's could un- just do something like Big Swole versus Shanna and yeah. just kind of be like, hey, this match is happening. Because they, they do that. I mean, WWE yeah, does that- it too. Like, we, we just talked about, they just said, Mansoor and Dolph Ziggler, watch it. Like, you know, people do but that. But at least with, at least the subtle difference with AEW is that the matches will add towards their ranking points. At the very yeah. Least. So if we. I mean, they have teased the idea of Big Swell challenging uh, for the championship soon. So if she was to have a match, she would probably be the one to win against any of the other women that they could put her against. I mean, we haven't seen Leva Bates in the ring in a little while. We haven't seen her. We haven't seen Emi Sakura in a while. Um, Hmm. I don't think that they would just add Riho in there because if they were going to put Riho on the card, they probably would have just done Riho versus Nyla Rose. Yeah, I I I don't think they should... I know Riho's obviously not the champion anymore, but they shouldn't try and lose the momentum that she's been built. She built up as a a good baby face. So, and especially if if they put her on this card, I don't think that she would. She should be in a position where she would lose. So, but I don't know who she would be. Yeah, out of this bunch. I'm thinking if you add a women's match, it's Baker and Sakazaki, and they could do that pretty easily. Like they could just have a segment on Dynamite tonight where Baker's doing another promo and Sakazaki attacks her because she's just like, you know, hey, why'd you fuck up my teeth? Like, yeah, it's oh, yeah, be, did the, cool the, the heavy lifting of this work, you know. 
I'd like I like I'd like to see more of Hikaru Shida. I feel like she's been a bit under bit underutilized. I'm I feel starting like to think that she's going to be the one that beats Nyla Rose. I, I would hope so. She seems like she's the most complete wrestler on the roster so far. But yeah, it's, there, there's definitely a lot of room for it because got Nyla. It, it would be a good transition because I could probably see Nyla Rose dropping it to either Hikaru Shida or. Uh, like a big swell or something like that down the road, and then that person loses it to Britt Baker because they're obviously grooming her to be a champion at some point. Yeah, goes from uh, Rose to Sheeta to Baker. I think actually I might have to update my um, champion predictions when it comes to that. But I think and, that um, that if we get any women's match, we get that Baker thing. If we get the Dark Order versus SCU, that makes a whole lot of sense. And I mean, they could just announce completely random matches, so we could very easily just get some oddball thing tonight where they just say, like, hey, it's going to be Pac versus Michael Nakazawa, or it's going to be Angelico and Jack Evans against Best Friends. You know, like, they could just say whatever. And it's it's the buy-in that they would be adding these things on to more than anything. So if that happens, it doesn't need to be anything, but... We do have, you know, like Sabian and Joey Janela have been having some matches and they could do some kind of a blow off. Yeah. I mean, I would. There's a lot of talent that has been left off the card so far. So we haven't got anything involved in the Lucha Brothers. We haven't got uh, Proud and Powerful on it. We haven't got the uh, Lucha Express. There, there's there's a lot of talent that they could put onto this to just put on a good match. and. Jurassic Express. Oh, Jurassic Express. Yeah. <laughs> I keep calling it Lucha Express because it's like Luchasaurus, yeah. so and he's obviously the biggest part of that thing, so but, but, uh, uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, there's there's quite a lot of people that they could definitely fill out the card with just to just say so go out there and have a good match. No, I, I could see some sort of like eight man tag where you put Jurassic Express and uh the um well like Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy, I can't remember. Private party. What? Yeah, there, that private party. Yeah, God, I, my mind is going with just AW. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm really enjoying the shows, but I'm still familiarizing, familiarizing myself with the people. They're a lucha the party. <laughs> yeah, the lucha party, the private lucha party. <laughs> Everything's just lucha. It's like uh, the lucha order, lucha friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they could they could face the actual Lucha Brothers and uh, and uh, proud and powerful instead of SCU yeah. it's SC Lucha SC Lucha SC Lucha <laughs> book it everybody um, MJ yeah. Lucha <laughs> so we'll see more information of course later on and then I mean we're not doing a, another predictions podcast uh, tomorrow <laughs> no. just over there with a post show for a super showdown because these things just don't I guess we end. can allude to it on the super, on the super showdown post show like we've done for this one yeah we might have to do that or I don't know maybe if I get so inclined or something maybe I'll put up like a dark cast or something uh, if I have the time or something tonight but um, you know buy in stuff if they do add anything and I'm expecting it to at the very least, I'll add that on the predictions page on smartcatmoment.com. So if you don't know everything that's going on or whatever, by the time you check tomorrow afternoon, Thursday afternoon or so, everything will be updated and you know we'll fill you in on that. But we do have six matches that we do know are booked right now. And here's the rundown of all of them before we start diving in one by one. The 
Women's World Championships on the line. Nyla Rose defending against Chris Statlander. The tag team titles are on the line with Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega against the Young Bucks. Darby Allen faces Sammy Guevara. Jake Hager against Dustin Rhodes. We've got Cody against MJF. And Chris Jericho is going to defend the World Championship against John Moxley. So looking at this card, knowing what we know, as opposed to the things we don't know, how, uh, how are you feeling about it? I mean, we're both generally speaking positive about it, but like, is there anything that you're feeling a little lacking on? Is there anything that you're feeling like, Oh my God, I cannot wait for this. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, again, this I'm, I'm slightly like hyperbolizing this a bit, but I can't remember the last time I've been more excited for a show than this one. And it's surprising that it has three matches at the top, that I am absolutely super excited for, which is Jericho against Moxley MGF against Cody and the tag team title match. And I'd, underneath that, it's got a pretty strong undercard. I'd add the uh, the Allen and Guevara match too. Oh, that as, match is going to be great. Yeah, but, but I feel like that. I feel like that match is going to be really good. But it's just the story of the other three matches has been really hooking me in. I've I've been really positive on AEW's like storytelling and build for the last ever since the turn of the year. Really, I think in December they were going a bit. They was. I want to say they were circling a drain or anything like that, but they were definitely the stuff with the Nightmare Collective and the Dark Order being all over the place and stuff like that. It was really being a bit of a slog to watch. But ever since uh, January, they've ramped it up. They've got a bit more focused. They've built up the right stories they need to, and it's it's really showing. I feel like I'd, I would feel pretty confident that this is going to do a bigger buy rate than their previous pay-per-view. Uh, the previous one was full gear, and that was, it was about uh, hundred thousand, I think. Jericho against Jericho Cody, against Cody. Yeah. and um, was it SCU yeah, it was against I mean, um, oh, that? It was the um, I'm trying to try to remember. Like, so it was Riho against. Oh, I'm trying, trying to remember all this stuff. For, for, yeah, it was her against Sakura. Yeah, and uh, it was Omega against. Was against Park for that one? Yeah, I think he was. Omega against Moxley. No, no, that was against Moxley, wasn't it? Yeah, that uh, was against Moxley. The unsanctioned match. Yeah, and Sean Spears against Joe Janela. Adam Page Page was against Park, yeah. Proud and Powerful against Young Bucks. Baker against B. Priestley. And SCU against Private Party and Lucha Brothers. Yeah. So, So, I mean, yeah, there's some of the, like, I mean, you take, like, Riho versus Emi Sakura, and you take Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. For my money, even though I don't think that it's going to be all that great, like I do think that Rose and Statlander has a little bit more of a draw, but that's the match that has the least amount of build and purpose to it. And then something like SU versus Lucha Brothers and Private Party, I'm more into uh, Young Bucks against Page and Omega. Um, Absolutely. Something like... Jericho against Cody, that had a good build. Moxley against Omega, that had its strengths. So, I mean, there wasn't like a full gear. Was like oh, a no, bad not, thing. No, but, no, yeah. Not, yeah, I don't. I don't want to say that was bad. So, I just, um, I just feel like the build towards this one has been better than the previous yeah. one. So it's a bit more. There's a bit more. Even though the match themselves are pretty comparable in a lot of ways, I just feel there's more just energy behind these ones. It's not the case with Neuros and uh, Statlander. No, though. that's a bit. It's it's kind of a bit out of nowhere, this one, but I don't feel like it's terrible in the sense that it does make sense because I think Statlander is top of the rankings now. Yeah. And 
realistically, you sh- if you have a ranking system, certain matches or certain pay-per-view matches should be just the person who's top of the rankings challenging for the title. And that's fine every now and again. I don't think every single women's feud going forward should just be based around whoever's top of the rankings faces the champion. It should They should try and build better stories down the road. But Nyla's only just become champion. The real story was her taking out, out Riho. This is her first challenger. So it, it makes sense that it's just the person who's top of the rankings getting the opportunity. Yeah, at least you can justify it that way because other than that, there isn't anything. Like They didn't do any kind of a personal build to this. They, oddly enough, they had not only Statlander come out, but Big Swole. Mm. And that seemed weird to me that they were like, let's set up the idea that one of these two is going to challenge. And then they just arbitrarily kind of picked. I mean, we know that the rankings mean something, but like it did sort of feel like, well, if that was the case, why have Big Swole come out? And why not just have Statlander and say, she's the number one ranked one? And what, you know, like the Big Swole thing threw me off. I, I think I think they weren't trying. Well, even though it, you could definitely read it into the impression that they were trying to put in multiple challenges, but I think it was just the idea that Nyla Rose is now surrounded by people that are after her gold, and they aren't they aren't that aren't going to be intimidated by her size and power. So I think it was kind of just trying to get that impression across, rather than trying to get the impression of who her next challenger will be. But I can totally understand people yeah. reading into it that way because it's 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 too, it was too blurred for that, but. Statlander, I, I can't say I'm looking forward to this match because even though both, <laughs> well, it's just that both these two are do have some good qualities and they both have like good athleticism and they have put in some decent work here and there. They're both very green and inconsistent, mm-hmm. so it's hard to kind of look at this one. And say it's definitely going. I'm not gonna say it's definitely going to be bad, but I feel like the ceiling toward for this one is like good like decent to good and you can't really see it going if it goes further than that then great but if it i can't see it like visualize it being any better than that no i mean i'm thinking that this is one of those scenarios where by the end of it if i go oh it wasn't that bad that that'll be a step in the right direction because rose and statlander they do have their weeks uh weaknesses and their strengths and there's potential there but I don't think that they're really going to tap into that potential and do anything amazing. And, you know, that's fine, too. Not every match needs to be the... I hate it when people act like if you don't think that the match is a 5 out of 5, that you think that it's a 0. You know, mm. not every match is going to be match of the year. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like doing star ratings on things is because people, they bitch and complain if you're like, this is a a 3.75 they're like that should have been a four and you're like oh come on like it's not that big of a difference and you know well this will be a quote-unquote like buffer match in between two of the other more high octane matches yeah like you give me uh rose and statlander after say alan and guevara it's going to be a a downswing but at the same time that doesn't mean that it's going to be awful it's just it's not going to be as good. And the part of the reason is because there's three matches, if not four, because I'm a little bit worried about one of them, but uh, a couple matches that should be very, very good. If not oh, great. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like uh, something that really benefit, like benefits the entire AEW side of things is the crowd usually lifts matches above what they actually produce in the ring. So I feel like the crowd will be behind this match and they'll give it the like respect it's due. 
So that will help make it seem better than it may end up being. And are you thinking the same thing that I'm thinking? It's just far too early to take the title off Nyla Rose. So you got to have her win. I feel like Statlander could be a champion down the road because she does have a lot of fundamentals down. And I think like she has a good amount of athleticism that could be put to better use eventually when she has a few more reps under her belt. But right now, if if the idea is Rose is the one that beat Riho and you're pushing her as this big monster heel then you definitely shouldn't have her drop the title at the first defense. So yeah, Nyla Rose retains. The other match that I'm not all that much into, to be honest, is Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. And although it's got a much better build than the complete lacking of a build from Rose and Statlander, because they did the whole Hager injured Dustin Rhodes, now he wants revenge kind of thing, I just don't feel all that much into it. I mean, I've seen Gold Dust, I've seen Jack Swagger, so I know what they're capable of, and I know that they're good. But I don't know. I just I'm over Dustin Rhodes. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I just don't know how Hager's gonna hold up after not wrestling for so long. Or I'm interested in seeing like what he does, and I'm interested in like what his ring gear is, and if he's got some kind of new finishing maneuvers or anything like. I am interested, but I just, I don't know. This this isn't catching me as much as I was hoping that it would. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of the build. I'm the, the thing that I'm most a fan of is that they've held off Jake Hager's debut, which has made it, which has made it interesting because this is his first match in AEW after he's been on the show since the very first episode. So they've held it off for months on end. So you have to hope that it's kind of good otherwise people's first impression of him because there's a lot of people that may not have, they may have seen Jack Swagger in the past but there's a lot of people who are watching AW that have never seen this guy wrestle maybe so they want to give a, as good a first impression as possibly can and even if like they have seen Jack Swagger before he's not Jack Swagger anymore he's Jake Hager and he needs to have a bit more of his own style and identity that's disparate from that I still think it's going to be obviously very wrestling focused, but from the work that I've seen him do for other promotions and the the stint that he had in Lucha Underground, he's a bit more aggressive. He's a bit more like physical in terms of his striking. I think he still uses the ankle lock, mm. as far as I'm aware. But if he might be putting some other moves into it, because obviously he's an MMA fighter as well, so maybe he's taking a bit more influence from that into his character. And Dustin Rhodes, like I don't know. I don't really know what to say about Dustin Rhodes and the fact of how does he still perform as well as he does at his age? It is crazy. I mean, this guy's wrestled over the course of how many decades? <laughs> yeah, so he he made his debut in uh, September thirteenth, nineteen eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. So he's wrestled. So he's now in, well, he's in a tw- pay per view in twenty twenty. So he's been a uh, so he's been wrestling a good like thirty two years. Crazy. 32 years. Christ. He's been wrestling longer than, way longer than I've been alive. And it's just, and he still, he still wrestles well. I can't say he's like, he's definitely not as sprightly as he used to be, but, but actually he's more sprightly than he was when he was black grain. So Uh it's kind of, so he's in a really good place right now. He's somebody who has got such a legendary aura surrounding him that he can lose and he doesn't lose anything. And they built up this really well with like him suffering a broken arm at the hands of uh, Jake Hager and then him getting 
like him being the one to call Jake Hager out, he's still a fairly prominent part of the roster. I'm pretty sure people who, like people, this is going to be pretty old school match. It's going to be, the thing that I like about it is it's going to be markedly different than a lot of the other matches. Probably in terms of like actual match style comparison, it's going to be more like the MJF Cody match than a Darby Allen Sammy Guevara match. Yeah. But I feel like it's going to be a bit more just, I don't want to say like bells and whistles, but a bit more just like wrestling between the ropes, maybe a few spots on the outside. But other than that, it's just going to be two pretty big, hard-hitting guys because Dustin Rhodes is deceptively big as well. So it's going to be quite just two hosses going at it, really. And yeah, I'm, 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 I can't say it's super exciting. Like, who'd have thought that in a, a pay-per-view in 2020, one of the like standout matches on the card would be Jack Swagger against Goldust. Right. Which probably wouldn't even been hi- highlight uh, like main event in an episode of main event a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it, I've, they, they feel like different, slightly different people now. And I feel like it's a good position on the card for it. It is strange whenever somebody goes to another company and if you can kind of just, uh, take the same idea and apply it based off the other company. Like when Christian was a big deal in TNA and then it's like Christian versus Kurt Angle. And you're like, Oh, Kurt Angle would whoop the shit out of Christian and on, uh, on SmackDown or something like that. Like there's a big disparity between the two and then TNA, not the same thing. And Ron Killings and TNA, big, big deal. K quick and WWE, not the same. And, uh, I mean, even Jericho and Moxley, like we had seen that feud before and that was a different type of thing, but that wasn't the main event. And Swagger and Goldust, like you said, if that would have been the case, that would have been a squash match in 2011, 12, something like that. Yeah. You know, like it's not even like this would have happened in the last year or two. Uh, It's just a strange set of circumstances. And I think we both probably agree on this. Uh, Hager has to win. Yeah, it's... uh... It's it's not located like the Wardlow thing. I know Jake Hager's role is mainly a heavy to Chris Jericho, but he should be a heavy that can also eventually like be a standout world champion on his own. I do think he has world champion potential if they treat him correctly. If they wanted to, because I still think, and this is going to kind of spoil what I think for the main event, but I think that Jericho is holding that title until All Out. And for the most part, I think that he's going to lose it to Kenny Omega. But if they wanted to, they could get away with Hager splitting from the inner circle and having Hager against Jericho somewhere down the line. I, I oh yeah, I think that's definitely the way they could do it. I just don't feel I feel like that's that's something that could happen like you know, in a year or so. Yeah, I feel like you can hold off on that for quite a while. Yeah, it doesn't have to be anything that happens like. Double but or Hager is the one. Hager is the one to break away because Sammy Guevara is great, but you don't see I don't see him quite yet in like the main event league and the only other members of the inner circle are the proud are proud and powerful and they're a tag team so if if one guy's going to break away and become a baby face that can rival chris jericho in the main event slot it's going to be hager so now with the darby allen and sammy guevara story that was kind of similar to the hager and Rhodes thing um hager had injured dustin Rhodes's arm Guevara had taken the skateboard and slammed Darby Allen's uh, neck on that. So it is kind of the idea of just like inner circle member injured me and I want revenge. Not as much of a long build, but at the same time, the trade-off for that is the in-ring stuff. And 
Allen and Guevara have been standouts. Um, Allen is somebody who every time he steps in the ring, he does something that you kind of go like, oh, he's going to injure himself. And it's kind of fun to watch, even though it is nerve wracking. And then Guevara, the first time that they had done Guevara in, I think it might have been the first match on Dynamite or something, or the first match. But he was the first match on both, right? First match on Double or Nothing, yeah. The first ever AEW match was Sammy Guevara against uh, Kip Sabian. Sabian. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember not being super duper impressed with the Sabian match. But even by the Cody match, I was like, you know what? The Sammy Guevara guy's got more than I thought that he did. And now, over the course of the past year, Sammy Guevara's turned into one of those guys that I'm like, crap, like this guy's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. He's one of my favorites on the roster now. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I think Sammy Guevara is one of the... It's amazing that in a group of the inner circle where you have Chris Jericho and you have Jake Hager and you have Pratt Powell who are a great tag team. Sammy Guevara is almost a standout of the entire group. Yeah. He's so good in the ring. He's got so much... He's such a hateable person. Like, it's just, and it's still a hateful person. I don't mean like, but literally, I don't know the guy personally, but. Yeah, he, like, I mean, he's probably not kicking puppies. <laughs> hateable. No, no, but he, if he could, he could get away. If he, if his character could, he'd get away. He would yeah. try and get away with it, I imagine. But he's so, like, did you see that super kick cell in the previous, mm-hmm. like, in that, that was um, really good. battle royal match? Yeah, that was, that was Shelton Benjamin-esque against Shawn Michaels, that sort of cell. But yeah, he is, he's great. Darby Allen is really, really good as well. I feel like, I think Darby Allen is, the, the comparison is probably a bit lost, but he reminds me a lot of Mick Foley. And I can it's see not that. Obviously, but it's not obviously not the star ring. He's obviously a more polished athlete than Mick Foley was, but he's a guy who, whose gimmick is that he takes a ton of punishment and he and he's a baby face that comes back from it. And I feel like in the same vein as Mick Foley, he shouldn't win a lot of matches, and he and you, like you don't need to win tons of matches if you can if you get over because you put your body on the line. You don't have to win a lot of matches. You just have to keep putting your body on the line. But I feel like in this scenario, because it's it's weird because Darby Allen is somebody that I think shouldn't win a ton of matches, but also think that Sammy Guevara's role in the um, in the inner circle is to be the lo- is to be the guy that looks good while losing. So you almost have two losers facing against each other. <laughs> I think that uh, Guevara is kind of in that boat, but he's also been the one where you're grooming him, and it kind of depends on where you go. Like, I if you had mean- like Guevara against Rhodes, for instance, when they did that, then yeah, Guevara beats Rhodes. But then him against Allen, like he's on the same sort of level as Allen to a certain extent. You know what I mean? So yeah, oh yeah, I feel I feel like both these two could be in maybe three years time or so could be fighting in the main event or the up like this the second from the top of the card right of AEW. like these are two guys that you go okay darby allen could be a top baby face very soon and having Guevara could be a top heel but it won't be for a, a good few years but they're on that trajectory like if they introduced a mid-card title these two could be the champion oh absolutely and i feel like if they do eventually introduce whatever title, whether it's a television title or a US title or anything along those lines, it should go to, well, these two should be competing for it, be on, be on that tier. And yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this match because I just think it'll be really well. The only issue that I have with this match is the fact that I believe Sammy Guevara is injured. 
It seems like he might be because he pulled out of some kind of show and it seems like he might have gotten injured during that super kick spot. Yeah. So if that's the case, that might hinder this match and it might end up just not being as good as it was supposed to be, which that sucks because this is one of the ones I'm really looking forward to. I'm actually looking more forward to this than Cody versus MJF. Funny enough. I I can't say I'm looking more forward to... I feel like this will be, I guess, technically a better quality match will be a more high octane exciting match i can't say i'm looking more forward to that than mjf and cody but i feel like this is a sleeper to potentially steal the entire show mm-hmm. it's, it's got a lot of competition to fight for that but I, I wouldn't put it past these two to put up something if if Guevara is able to compete at the level that he wants to compete at then this could be a really good really really good match I am going to go with uh, Allen winning, not only because the Guevara injury thing might kind of play into this, but also just because sometimes you got to have your, your win and to spoil something from the other predictions and stuff. Like I not only think that Jake Hager is going to win, I also think that Chris Jericho is going to win. And I think that there's a chance that MJF wins and you need, you know, if Nyla Rose wins too, you kind of need a baby face to win every once in a while. <laughs> they have had oh. cards where it's a little heavy on the one side or the other side. And like WWE, of course, is not AEW, but WWE's had events in the past where only heels have won or only baby faces have won. But I think that Allen is in that position where he can beat Guevara and nobody's going to think anything of it. It's not like Guevara is going to be buried or some kind of BS like that, you know? No, absolutely. I, I think Allen should win this match as well, even though I said that Allen should typically be someone who's like a gutsy baby face that loses against heels a lot of the time because him and Guevara are on a similar footing. I feel like it makes more sense that Alan wins this match. He's coming back from the injury spot. The crowd are really behind him right now. I feel like you can have him beat Guevara. It doesn't hurt Guevara and they can continue onwards and Alan can go back to being the, the dead. He reminds me, I think if you put him on, keep him on this trajectory, and you keep building him up, he could be AEW's Jeff Hardy pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, he's got that kind of um that kind of appeal. And mm. he's got that sort of je ne sais quoi or whatever. Uh he appeals to that market, you know, the mm. hot topic market and everything. He's a cruiserweight. He is somebody who clearly values his creativity. Like Jeff Hardy's got his music, Darby Allen's got his uh, filmmaking that he does, yeah. and 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 obviously the the beast comparison they have absolutely no uh, regard for their own health or well being. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully Darby Allen doesn't go down some of the same roads that Jeff Hardy did. No. But, uh, and that, if you could get Jeff Hardy in his prime against Darby Allen, that'd be a hell of a match. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Some ladder match where you get those two together just bump like crazy and yeah but who would take the huge dive off the ladder though i think they do like, like some kind of double thing yeah oh yeah it'd be a situation where they're both standing on one ladder and they see a table in the middle of the ring they both decide to just die for it at the same time yeah. or like alan is like on top of jeff hardy's back and jeff hardy does a swanton through the table <laughs> i think that would work yeah they just jump off the top of the arena or whatever they just or I guess mm. they do a coffin drop at Swanton combo thing or something. And Ugh. yeah, and it's, everybody it's would just be like, shame. God damn it. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Part of me, part of me says it's a shame that they won't do that. But also part of me probably thinks that's a good thing that they never, they would never do that match. <laughs> it might be one of those scenarios where please don't die becomes 
uh oh <laughs> yeah um yeah for that matter like we just talked about the Hager and Rhodes thing like I'd like to see for instance like on next week's Dynamite if Guevara is able to go and do all that kind of thing like uh, maybe do like a tag team match like Hager and Guevara against Allen and Rhodes and then you have Hager and Guevara beat Allen and Rhodes and then you do like Hager and Allen at some point down the line and Hager beats Allen like you know you can play around with things and stuff and yeah, that, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity down the road. They've obviously positioned. It's it's the idea about having a good, like stable at the top that you have that you can that you can have people engage in their own little feuds, but also come together for the big main storyline as well. Yeah. Um, let's go with the tag team title match. This is the match more than any that I'm excited about. Page yeah. and Omega against the Young Bucks. Just on paper, sounds like it's going to be great, and they also have an interesting story going in with this and the idea behind that for anybody who hasn't been watching dynamite. And I'll admit, I don't watch dynamite the same way that I watch NXT. By the time I get done with everything on Wednesdays, we normally do our podcast like we're doing right now. I got to watch the bump. I got, I'm behind on like, um, I didn't check out. It was after the bell or the new day podcast or something. I got to check that out. Uh, there's like the AEW dark, spoilers and then i watch two hours of nxt and by the time i get down to dynamite i don't feel like watching all the matches and stuff but one thing that has been very very interesting for me is this tease that hangman adam page might turn heel on the elite and they've been doing this for a while this has been something that they've he's had issues with omega he's had issues with the bucks he's had issues with the whole group not being you know, as inviting for him and that he's the outsider of the whole thing. And they, they did it recently on uh, BTE where he was saying like, no, you're Kenny Omega. You're the best uh, wrestler in the world. And Cody, he's the best speaker in the world, which I was like, no, he isn't. But <laughs> um, and the Young Bucks, they're the best tag team in the world. And here am I and whatever, like they're, they're doing the drunk Adam Page thing, the outsider thing. He's a tag team champion, but he won it in a way that was weird. Like there's been this, tension and i really think that what we're getting here and maybe i'm wrong of course you know i don't know any spoilers i think we're getting the young bucks win the titles and page turns on omega and the bucks like maybe omega congratulates the bucks afterwards just kind of you got us you know hey you won congrats pals you're the new tag team champions and page is just like no nah, fuck that you know i i would say if that was to happen then the people running AEW are a lot more stupid than I think anybody would have given them credit for. Because, you know, how we talked about at the start, like, first, uh, it was all yeah all out. They crowned the first champion, and it was Chris Jericho against Adam Page. And we thought, oh, it's so obvious that Chris Jericho's going to win because they haven't really done anything. They haven't really given us a reason to get invested in Adam Page. Now, Adam Page feels like the biggest star of the company. <laughs> Like there's there's Cody in terms of a babyface side of things, and obviously Jericho is the champion, and you've got Moxley there as well. But I think under them right now, I'd even put Adam Page above Kenny Omega in terms of crowd reaction. Like he has really completely turned a corner with this this beer swilling, ass kicking, cowboy shit character, where he really like he's connecting with the crowd on a level that I don't think they could have anticipated him connecting with. And so if the idea was 
that this match would happen and the Young Bucks would win the title and Adam Page would turn on Kenny Omega. If that was the initial idea going into this feud, they need to scrap that idea and come up with something else. What is um, Double or Nothing? May. I can't remember what date exactly, but uh, it's definitely May. Uh, so so two, two May 23rd. May 23rd. Yeah, three months, essentially, yeah. to build to something. Because that's why I was thinking that it would be Page against Omega at Double or well, Nothing. Oh yeah, I feel I feel like that may have been their original idea, but I feel like they need to drag this tag team out a little bit more. Because I feel like Adam Page is too much of a babyface at the moment to the point where if he turns on Omega, I feel like you risk Kenny Omega going heel instead because the crowd are into Adam Page. I I would personally what I would do is that I would have this match take place. It's going to be a great match anyway because these four guys know how to work together they're really good friends so i'm pretty sure they'll put something really good on together i would have them beat the young bucks the young bucks show like a begrudging like oh you got us that sort of thing they maybe shake hands like reluctantly afterwards but then you you continue the storyline between these guys obviously you don't just always have the young bucks challenging for the titles that type of thing but you continue like backstage segments where the bucks start talking to kenny omega a bit more intimately about like like you sure you can trust this guy this guy's drinking a lot like this this type of thing and you see how the crowd gauges it you just try and gauge what the crowd is because realistically i could see the young bucks turning heel off the back of this feud as opposed to um, uh, adam page or omega and have adam page be a baby face coming out of it I, hmm. I just i just feel like 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 you say, I, what you said makes total sense if it goes by what has previously been said. I'm not saying like a heel turn from Adam Page right now would be the absolute most disastrous thing in the world. But I feel like he's he's almost gone like too 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 quickly in the sense that they probably their idea was, okay, well, Adam Page didn't get a lot of momentum coming out of the Chris Jericho thing and he was kind of lose, uh, lost a bit of character. So we'll put him with Omega in a tag team. We'll have him turn on Omega. He'll be heel for a few months or a year or whatever. Then he'll turn babyface and then he can be the big star that we wanted him to be at the start. But I feel like he's he's kind of skipped the heel section of it and he's kind of already on the trajectory of being the t- a top babyface. Yeah. I can so, see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm not, I don't, I don't that's but that's also the intriguing thing is like that what you suggested could definitely happen. What I suggested I feel has p- potential as well. And that's added the intrigue to it because I don't know I don't know what this match result will be. I feel like with all the other ones, I've got a, a, a fairly good sense of where I think the results are happening or who's going to win what and what's going to happen afterwards. This one, I have no idea, but that's exciting to me. I mean, even and, if it comes down to that, which is the most basic kind of thing, is just either Young Bucks win or they don't, and there is no heel turn for anybody. Like they could very easily just have like Page and Omega lose, Young Bucks do some kind of thing, like basically what I was saying before, but instead of Paige actually turning on Omega, maybe he just walks out. He's just pissed. And it's oh, yeah, just sort of, you know, well, we'll figure it out what happens in the next episode of Dynamite, and maybe they have a turn happen there, or maybe they happen, maybe it happens yeah, exactly. weeks from now, or maybe it doesn't happen at all. Like, you know, they, they don't have to do some, I think a lot of people do that kind of, and I, I'm guilty of it sometimes, like even right now, but some people have a tendency of just being like, well, everything has to happen on the pay-per-view. It doesn't mm. really. Like, the TV matters. So the title change doesn't always have to happen on the pay-per-view, and the heel turn doesn't always have to happen there. In fact, a lot of heel turns are better on TV anyway. You know? Mm. Yeah, I feel... And I, 
and with the way that AEW operates with like the the uh, pay-per-views every couple of months as opposed to one every month or even every few weeks like you get in WWE you kind of have to build in a sense of, of stretching things out of making the TV more important it's even more important but still put delivering good stuff on the pay-per-view that gets you to it but you need to have those moments on TV that obviously get people to tune in watch it because without that like incentive or the big things happening on TV, people won't be, you won't get more viewers that could potentially then buy a pay-per-view down the road. So you need to, ba- it's, a, it's a delicate balance in that. So I feel like they're doing pretty well with that at the moment. And, but it's, but it is very, very tricky and they will make mistakes down the road doing that. But right now I feel like, I feel like this Adam Page character is a, as a, a beer swilling, uh, like carefree, almost baby face who is in a tag team championship but doesn't really seem to care about his partner at all, is like it's working for him. And it wouldn't work for every character, but it's working for Paige. And he feel he he feels like he's got a lot more character now, right? He feels like he feels like he's got he's found a charisma and he's found found a niche that really works for him. Yeah, he, I buy more into Paige being a potential champion now than in, he was going into the title match. And Paige will be a world champion at one yeah, point. Yeah, AEW going this way. And now he feels like it. Like before, it felt like they were just trying to say, "Oh, Paige will be a champion at one point," but because we'll put him with this match with Jericho. But that felt like them just saying, telling us that Paige will be a champion. Now he feels like he'll be a champion. Yeah, it's that whole show don't tell type thing. Yeah, but Omega's also a future world champion. So these two should feud eventually. I just don't feel like now is quite the right time. But I've they've built up enough faith in me in the last couple of months that I feel like what they decide to do will be the right course forward or they'll have a plan for it. So I'm not too worried about whatever happens at the end of this. But I if my prediction guns to the head, I go Omega and Paige retaining. I'm gonna go Young Bucks win. And I do think that if it doesn't happen at Revolution, that'll happen down the line. Paige does turn on Omega because I'm just trying to think ahead. We got uh, double or nothing, and we got all out in probably September or August, something like that. So I'm thinking, all right, let's see. Like maybe I would pair up, and of course I'm me, and I'm trying to think what they're doing, and this isn't exactly what I would do necessarily, but you know all that kind of you know, BS that goes around that. I'm kind of thinking maybe like double or nothing is, uh. I don't know who would fight Jericho. uh, That kind of throws me off a little bit, but like I could see all out for instance, being Omega and Jericho page and Cody and Moxley and MJF as like three of the top feuds. And I could see maybe double or nothing before that being page against Omega Jericho against, uh, I, I don't know. And, um, yeah, it's I mean it's it's hard to predict right now. There's just it's because there's so much space in between it that there's so much stuff they could do. Yeah, like the moment if I if I think double enough thing like the ideas that go off the top of my head is I feel Omega against Jericho, but Omega is not when this feud. When, my idea is like when the feud starts, Omega's still a tag team champion, but he loses it during the build to the Jericho match, and that starts off a chain reaction which would eventually lead to a Page Omega match. But that's just what I would see. I could see the Young Bucks against either Proud or pa- Proud and Powerful, or um, 
like uh, the hybrid, if you could build them up into a decent team, or uh, Butcher and the Blade. And then you have I, I could see I could see MJF Cody two happening at Double or Nothing as well because I feel like yeah. it's, it's too early to end this feud right now. Well, let's go into that one because that's one that I don't feel like I have a solid winner on. I could see both happening. If Cody wins, he gets his win back from all the things that MJF MJF had done to him. But at the same time, MJF is in that type of position where the IWC, at the very least, is like, well, MJF has to win because he's the young guy and you got to put him over and whatever, and that's going to make him. And I don't feel like either is a guarantee. And I could see how they could go in a repeat match from both scenarios. Like, for instance, I don't think they're going to do this, but this is a possibility. Let's just say Cody wins and MJF is like, that's bullshit, I want a rematch. You could flip the script. And you can make it to where Cody is like, oh, you want a rematch? You're going to have to go through these stipulations. And it could be something like, instead of him fighting Wardlow in a steel cage match, it's like, MJF, you're going to have to fight John Moxley in a steel cage match. Or, you know, whoever. Luchasaurus in whatever, <laughs> this kind of thing. And then you can have, instead of the lashings with the belt, or maybe you do the lashings and MJF just has to take them and it's Cody Rhodes' weight belt, you know? And they play around with that and then MJF gets a match with Cody. They could do something where I still don't think that Cody is never going to challenge for that championship. Like, to me, that's just absurd. So maybe something happens where Cody fights mjf where like mjf is like no 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 like i'll even give you the chance to win that back like if you really want me to uh, uh like i really want that match and i'll even put it on the line that if you beat me in our second match that you uh you can challenge for the title again and you can undo that stipulation and then cody can win twice and mjf still doesn't look bad you know what i mean or you could have mjf win and it's just a matter of this feud continues because MJF and Cody is like a bitter, bitter feud. I'm cool with both. And I like both. Both of them are two of my favorite people in AEW. But I will preface this a little bit by saying I don't think that this is going to be in the ring the match that people are expecting it to be. And I hope I'm wrong. But like Allen and Guevara... I think has more potential than Cody and MJF. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I can totally understand that. It's, it's not going to be as exciting or exhilarating, but this is all about the story and it's all about the character work. And in in that case, I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, these two are probably two the two two of the three best mic workers in the company alongside Jericho. And their promo works building towards this, the the whipping angle, the steel cage match with Wardlow. It's just been it's been really old school, but in like it has a modern modern twist to it. But I am I'm yeah I'm totally digging this feud, and it's it's too early to end. So I feel like the objective of this match is to make me want the rematch even more than what I want this match. It's a tall, it's a really, really tall order, but I feel like these two can do it. I feel like everything that I've seen Cody in in AEW works pretty much. He he has a, such a clear sense on his character, 
and he knows what he wants to do and he knows where his stories are going that I feel like he has thought about what he's going to do for this match to make it as perfect as possible and I hope it delivers as well as he's expecting it to personally what I would do and I don't know I can't believe I'm going to say this on a pay in a pay-per-view I think it should be a DQ finish hmm I, I can see like... that being the case though I mean they're... but that the they haven't had want... DQs all over the place, so they can get away with it. Yeah, they've. Met, I don't think they've actually had. A, they might have had one, but as far as I'm aware, they either had like one or zero DQ finishes in AEW history. So it almost makes sense to do this one. And I feel like if it is a DQ, it should be Cody getting disqualified against MJF. I feel like MJF should win. MJF should win the match in my mind, either way. Whether it's him like rolling up Cody after a distraction or using a weapon with the referee distracted or somebody screwing Cody out of it or something, something to that effect. Or it's like MJF's about to use the ring to attack Cody. Cody fights it out of him. He grabs the ring and he hits him. But that, by that point, the referee's turned around and sees it. So you have the visual of MJF getting like busted open and is bleeding or like being had the hell beaten out of him by Cody, but he still gets to win, so he still gets the last laugh. I could see that as being the the first step in progressing it towards double or nothing and having the second match there in some sort of gimmick match. Yeah, but, I like that. Yeah, th- I mean, that would work for me. I I feel like what what the, the two things this match has to accomplish is that MJF needs to get the absolute piss beaten out of him by Cody, because you need to have that in order to at least give the baby face the me- a measure of revenge against him for what happened, and then it it needs to continue the feud by having MJF get one over on Cody, and that's that's kind of if it accomplishes both those two things, it's an absolute success. I don't really mind if the match isn't as great as I expect it to be, or it's not up to the level of into the athleticism of the Darby Allens having Guevara or the tag team title match. I can't. I'm kind of cool with it as long as it does what it's supposed to do. And I feel like that's the two things it needs to do, in my mind. Yeah, and if this is more Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, but, then I'm yeah, going to end up loving it. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like it could be. I, I think this is really going to be the real test. Because MJF's so good on the microphone. And he's a future world champion. He's a future like top star in wrestling, let alone just the company. Like He's somebody who could walk into WWE and be a top name pretty soon with his mic work, he could walk into pretty much any promotion. But the question is, can he back all that up in the ring? And he's good, I just don't know. Well, I think this match will give us an indication of just how good MJF can be in the ring. Uh, I don't know if I go MJF or Cody gun to my head, but I, at least right now, I'm leaning a little bit more towards MJF. Yeah, I'm going MJF to win this I don't know if I'm not I'm not gonna be so confident to say the, the DQ finish, but I feel like MJF is gonna win this match regardless. And we do have one more match to talk about. Before we talk about the main event though, let's doss out some of the, the quick little plugs that we got going on. The Patreon is something I've been harping on quite a bit lately, but that's just because that's a thing, especially because the YouTube channel, if you don't remember me mentioning this and other things, is currently demonetized. So I don't know when that's gonna get back, if it does get back. So in the meantime, the only way to support the Smart Cat Moment channel is through the Patreon. And then, of 
course, like, yeah, if you clicked on like the ads on smartcomoment.com, that counts the same, but still, um, even a dollar goes a long way, especially the more people that donate a dollar. So I really want to drive that point home as well when it comes to the idea of just helping out a little bit. A lot of people help out a little bit. It ends up going further than if one person was just like, here's, a, you know, 500 bucks or something like that. But anything that you guys have on the spare change is greatly appreciated no matter what it is. And if you donate more than that, then there are different incentives. Like the $10 tier is the one that you get access to the Patreon exclusive dark cast episodes. And we will do another one of those pretty soon. If not two or three or so, get them as much up as we possibly can. There's also the mailbag priority tier where you can pick our brains about stuff when we're not doing the mailbags because they're not monthly anymore. So we didn't do one for February and we're not going to do one for February, nor are we going to do one for March. The next one's going to be quarter two around after WrestleMania. So that is a lot of time in the meantime from our January one. And if you do want to try to get our opinions about stuff, mailbag priority is how you can do it. There's also the pick your poison tier where you can request some kind of a feature of sorts a gimmick of the website or of the podcast. And then since, you know, you donate to that tier and you request that, then we do it. We've done them in the past. So go check out previous ones, like different fan ounce tables that we've done and other things that are on the same kind of spectrum, but from fanboysanonymous.com because that's my geek culture website. I do movie reviews mostly over there, but I also talk about some other things like superheroes and uh, TV shows and maybe video games and stuff. And one of the elements of that that I need to promote now that I haven't been promoting as much as I should is the fact that we've got the seventh annual Dastacular Gaming for Cause Marathon coming up soon. The Saturday at noon before the uh, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view on March 7th and 8th. It's a 24-hour video game marathon, and it is for charity. Dace is the one that runs this whole thing. It's not me. I'm just kind of one of the, the bit players in the mix maybe in seven bit, not even an eight bit. And it's basically you uh, tune in on Twitch. He's got a couple different Twitch channels that'll be up and like the main stage and stage two, stage three kind of a thing or something. And we'll be playing video games for 24 hours and you'll be, you know, seeing me do what I do all the time, which is not sleep. And <laughs> that's another thing that if you have any spare change, the donation stuff is greatly appreciated. It goes towards the messages project, not to us, or Dace, or any of that kind of stuff, too. So that's a full-on charity there, not just, like, the charity for me when it comes to the Patreon. But if you do want to donate to the Patreon of Fanboys Anonymous, that is up there. The Pick Your Poison tier for Fanboys is something that you should take advantage of and check out, like, the Batman Superman world's finest uh, fan tracks that we did. I actually just last night watched Superman Red Sun, and I did it making the grade review for that, so... Just check out that stuff. Do the same thing for Fanboys Anonymous that you do for Smart Cow Moment. Follow the YouTube stuff. Follow the Facebook, the Twitter. Click around. Check out the merch shops, Public and Redbubble. So, you know, just do that kind of stuff. Those are some of the plugs. We still have a couple more, but let's talk about the main event. The AEW World Championship is on the line. It's Chris Jericho against John Moxley. Uh, in the meantime... Jericho has been feuding with Moxley. Moxley's lost an eyeball, kind of. And I'm wondering, do they keep the eye patch on or do they have him healed? What do you think? Uh, I mean, he's had the eye patch, on for, eye patch on for a while. But I wouldn't be surprised if he kept it on still. 
I, I feel like it's it's kind of part of his character now. So pirate Marx. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Marx Yes, yeah, so I, I just I don't feel like it it would be out of the question for him to still be wearing it. I think if I were booking it, I'd have him without the eye patch. I think that that would just bring a subtle tad kind of like, oh, Moxley's fully ready to go. Like, he doesn't even need the eye patch anymore. He's going to fuck up Jericho, like that kind of feel to it. But it might just be lost in translation, too. And if he comes out with the eye patch, I don't think anybody's going to care. It's not going to be the type of thing where they're going to be like, how come he doesn't have the eye patch off by now? It is part of his character. So you don't need to worry about like the uh the pictures having him without an eye patch or something like that it's uh you know you can carry this on for the next 3 months and he could just not wear it on some random dynamite but i do think that no matter what's happening no matter what momentum is on moxley's side that he just isn't going to win and he could very well like moxley's a big big name he's one of the biggest names that they have former uh, WWE champion. He's got that type of status to him where they could put the belt on him at any time and people aren't going to question it. But it's Jericho. And I think that when they gave him the belt, they planned on him holding it for an entire year. And I mentioned before, I think he's going to drop it to Omega at All Out. I've been wrong about plenty of other things in the past, so they could very easily just have John Moxley win this and that could be how they go about things. But with Moxley, he, losing the Jericho is not going to be a big deal, you know, especially if the inner circle gets involved. Moxley can definitely lose this. He's not lost anything, I think, right? Uh, I don't feel, yeah, he hasn't lost a match in AEW yet. I think he had so. like the lights out match or something. Like the three of those didn't quite count. Well, yeah, none unquote. of those counts was the rankings, yeah. But so. then I think he might have lost a tag team match. Been yeah, like uh, Moxley and Omega against Pack and somebody or whatever. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, I mean he hasn't he hasn't been pinned yet. Yeah, you know that much. Or he hasn't he hasn't been the one on the losing end of anything. So, but yeah, I feel like I feel like he doesn't lose anything by losing this match if that is the case. But it it still has that element of doubt too because Moxley is a big star. He's a big deal. And I mean, it's not like it's one of the cases like, oh, but he's going to end up going to New Japan because Jericho goes to New Japan as well. So it's like the two New Japan stars are also fighting for the world championship. So, but yeah, it, it's it's not like clear cut in any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like Jericho still has a bit more to like gas in the tank for this title reign. And Moxley can move on to other things because he has... Like I, I want to see a Moxley versus Darby Allen match pretty soon, at some point, and I want to see him face. Uh, he can Didn't have matches with Jake that? Hager. Uh, uh, they might have already done that, but I want to see like a proper feud. If they have done it, it's been like a one-off match. Yeah, but I'd like to see like a proper feud. Too. I want to see him against Jake Hager because I could see that being a transition if Jake Hager helps Jericho win. It transitions onto Moxley against Hager. Yeah. Maybe some kind of gimmick match at Double or Nothing, like Moxley against Hager in like a Lights Out match or something. Yeah, uh, yeah I feel I feel like this match is going to be, even though it's not no disqualification, it's going to probably play a bit fast and loose with the rules. 
because Moxley does do that kind of style. It's going to be there's probably going to be quite a bit of brawling outside the ring because Jericho and Moxley both do that more often now in their current incarnations of their characters. And I, I mean, I would have Moxley carry on with the iPad thing just because it gives Jericho something to target. So it's saying that Moxley can sell during the match. And obviously Jericho's finishing move is the Judas Effect elbow. So that would be saying, oh, you got him right in the eye. I could see Jericho calling that and that would be the, not Jericho, JR calling that. Like, oh my God, he got him right in the eye. And that's like the finish of the, the match. But and then, yeah, yeah it's, uh, again, not JR gets drive, pissed off go at completely unrelated things as well. He <laughs> got him right in the eye. God yeah, damn, I'm, this I'm, is I'm, right. I can't. <laughs> He's going to go crazy during that Chris Statlander match because Gallagher's going to be sitting next to him talking about how she's an alien and he's just going to like say, fuck off, she's a human being, she's a human woman in a match. <laughs> yeah. This is not this, this bullshit carny promotion. Get me the... F- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's two things I'm looking forward to. Like, JR going crazy against Chris Statlander and then Tony being called a um a Starbucks guy by uh, Britt Baker at some point. <laughs> Mr. Starbucks. Oh, but... Yeah, I th- I think this match will be good though. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it's going to be the best match on the show, but it's going to be. It's going to be good. These guys know what they're doing. Yeah, I still think Paige and Omega and, and the Young Bucks is going to be the best match. And Jericho and Moxley. I mean, I like both of them. I I don't I don't like exactly what Jericho's doing nowadays, but Moxley's got a lot more attitude to him. Jericho is still Jericho. It's kind of like you, you sort of still can't go wrong, even if I don't like the look that he's got going on and some of the other things like that. It's hard to not be excited for this. And they've got a lot of outs. They've got the inner circle can get in the mix. They could do some kind of debuts of some people, or they could transition different feuds or different things like that. So, I mean, that's a talking point we could bring up here is that like literally a minute before we started recording, Lance Archer signed for AEW. Yeah. And Lance Archer, funnily enough, feuded with John Moxley, well, most recently feuded with John Moxley in New Japan Pro Wrestling over the US title, which, funnily enough, Moxley still holds. But so I can I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to take that feud was so good in New Japan, let's immediately put it onto AEW TV for having him interfere, cost Moxley the match, and you enter a Moxley against Archer feud. And they've done things in the past where, for instance, MJF is not a part of Inner Circle, but they've worked together. And Jeff Cobb is not signed to AEW, but they brought him in as like this extra member hitman kind of thing. And they they could very easily do the same thing with Lance Archer. They could just be like, hey, Jericho, he was on the lookout for people to attack Moxley. And when he found Jeff Cobb, he also was in touch with Lance Archer and he brought him in and they might not make him a part of the inner circle if they did that, but no, he, just, he doesn't have a one-off to be. thing. Yeah, yeah. It could just be a one-off thing. I, I do like that wrinkle in Jericho's character that he's kind of, even though obviously they have, they don't shy away from the fact that Cody and Kenny Omega and the young bus, they don't obviously scream in your face, but you are kind of aware that they're like executive positions. But Jericho kind of positions himself as like he's kind of the fifth guy, but he doesn't have that actual status, and so he has to go. He has to go on his own means to find other people to bring on. He he recruits people to AEW just to serve his own purposes. Yeah, and he's got that pull because he's a legend. He's been around for 
decades to the point he's the where champion, so he gets paid the most as well so they're, they're mm. telling that kind of story as well so it, it's a really good aspect to his character that he just finds people to do his dirty work for him yeah and i mean jericho is exactly the type of heel who he can get the job done on his own but he's also a chicken shit sometimes mm. so you can have him win straight up but it's moxley you're gonna protect him a little bit and between like Guevara comes out to try to help Jericho and Darby Allen comes out and stops him. Jake Hager comes out. Dustin Rhodes stops him. Proud and Powerful comes out. Who knows? Young Bucks come out and stop him or something like that. And then it could be that whole scenario. We could just be like, oh, crap. Like Jericho is on his own. How can he deal with Moxley? Ah, fuck you. I also have Lance Archer. You know, that could be a good way to just be like, you idiots thought that like I I was just going to not have a backup plan like i have these ideas in mind and then you got a whole new guy uh, mm. immediately made one shot lance archer is now a big deal in aew mm. yeah that, I, could, I could definitely see that happening but i could easily just see it being a, a clean win for jericho or even moxley just pulling off a, a win yeah. as well because moxley is a more than would be more than capable of being a world champion for aew yeah if they decide to go in a direction of having a babyface champion for a while I mean, as much as I like Scorpio Sky, when they did Scorpio against uh, Jericho, it was like, all right, well, we know that this guy's not winning this. You know? Yeah. Moxley, yeah, this... he's got a really good chance. Yeah, he's the first one since Code. Well, obviously, I'd say first one since Code is like second pay for you along, but just feels like he feels like someone who could be a legitimate content- contender, not somebody that Jericho will just be to carry on his reign a little bit further. Even though that is what I'm predicting that Jericho maintains his reign a little bit longer and he beats Moxley here. Yeah, I'm going Jericho as well, and I do think that we're going to get some kind of surprise with maybe Lance Archer being a part of this. Maybe Archer, I don't think it's going to be the case, but maybe he does something with the Dark Order. Mm. Um, do you think we're going to get the Exalted one? Oh, I guess it, it, it entirely depends on whether Matt Hardy is the Exalted one or not. Because if Matt Hardy is the Exalted one, it definitely can't happen because he wouldn't be out of contract by this point. Because I don't it's think he's out of contracts until the start March, of March. I yeah, yeah, I think it's March first. Yeah, so if that if that's the case, then no, we won't get him. Wait, again, we don't know if that's what they're planning on doing. But if that's the case, then no. If not, then and if it's, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked, and I wouldn't be against Lance Archer being the top guy for him because then you have a legitimate main event potential main event guy in charge of that group because that group needs a figurehead to go with and hardy's obviously great for that but hardy i feel at this age shouldn't be a main event guy in terms of being in the ring so i feel like you need to have in that group somebody to be the focal point of this is the guy that we could have as a potential world champion and be the leader the quote-unquote leader of the dark order even if matt hardy is kind of a spokesperson for it but yeah, I could, I could definitely see that being the case. But I could also equally, as we discussed, see it, the case that he just interferes in this match, and we get we eventually lead to Moxley against Archer at double or nothing in some sort of death match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's it's either Moxley against Archer or Moxley against Hager are very very strong chances, and I bank more than. Uh, more than my fair share when it comes to the idea that either of those matches would not be for the title. So 
Yeah. I don't know who I would end up thinking Jericho would fight instead because he already fought Cody. He already fought Paige. He already fought Moxley at this point. I do think it's a little early for Omega. He's already fought Allen. Like, that's kind of throwing me off a little bit. Maybe well, it is just Omega. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be Omega. It could be. I mean, it, it sounds a bit far fetched, but maybe just the story of Dustin Rhodes getting one final world title match would be an appeal. Yeah. They could I mean, play around with that. Yeah, because it's obviously it's, it's not like that one. It feels pretty obvious that it wouldn't be Dustin Rhodes to win, but maybe just the story of the nostalgia being built around the fact of Dustin Rhodes, because he's he's never really had an opportunity at the World Championship in many promotions that he's been in. So to have that one opportunity towards the end of his career, and like you could probably tell a really good story with that, even if it is predictable who would win in the end. The only other real options would probably be something like if you wanted to go with Park and just do a heel versus heel match instead. Maybe Brody Lee. Like, maybe. They, they could bring Harper in there and just have him be like, hey, I'm a new guy here and I'm going to fuck you up, Jericho. Like uh, Brody Lee versus Chris Jericho could could possibly sell. I mean, they've 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 teased the thing with the jungle with Jungle Boy against Jericho before, and that obviously that doesn't feel like a big deal title match. But then again, if you if you stretch out the MJF Cody feud, that could probably main event double or nothing, and you have the title match be a bit less, a bit more low key. So Loki's going to get involved. <laughs> Cabal comes in. Yeah, but they'll call him. I can't remember like Quick Kick, like they did in WCW. <laughs> Yeah, so that's our breakdown of Revolution. Of course, later on tonight, we're going to get Dynamite. So some of these things might be clarified a little bit more. Some of them might change. They might add matches, all the other kind of things that go along with that. And if that does happen, I'm going to update my predictions on the page. But tomorrow we have Super Showdown for WWE. So we're going to watch that. And then we're going to do the post show for that. And then over the course of Friday, maybe if I get a chance to do some kind of updated predictions dark cast or something i'll try to do that but no promises and then once saturday comes along aw revolution on br live and elsewhere and then uh live coverage and the post show for that and then we'll start talking about what happens post revolution which is i don't know evolution if you're courting the wwe we had the women's revolution and the women's evolution so it's all a mystery to me yeah yeah it passes you by sometimes and uh I did most of my plugs. I'll come back around in a couple seconds and do some more, but Callum's got some things to let you guys be aware of, so toss them out there. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Check out all the weekly articles on smartcamo.com. You've got like Women's Wrestling Weekly, and you've got Battle of the Brands, and all this other great stuff, but save uh, most of your time for the power rankings. That's the one that I write. And yeah, I also, if you haven't already, if you haven't checked out the um, Hall of Lame first episode we did a couple of uh, weeks back, I would uh, check that out. Uh, just a, a new concept that we're introducing. And we, if you check it out on the website, the little page we have on there, you can also vote on who you would like to see inducted out of our choices into the Hall of Lame. So watch the video or check out the podcast, head onto the website and cast your vote on that. And even though Rob was not here, everybody check out what Rob's got going on at Dude Felice on Twitter. Check out me on Twitter at Tony Mango or at A Mango Tree or at Smart Cow Moment or at Fanboys Anon or 
at a whole bunch of different things. I've got projects that fell by the wayside, like, you know, you haven't seen much from or much of anything from the all talk show for a bunch of years, but I still always want to bring that back up. And I actually am working on uh, another concept of something that I'm hoping I can get up and running. I don't know, in the next two months, three months, something like that. And I'll fill you guys more in on that when I have more, but I'm, I'm kind of collecting some names and stuff right now. At the very least, I'll say that it's not wrestling related. So you might not all be all that much into it, but you know, something to keep your ears to the ground on. Is that the phrase? <laughs> I think that's a phrase. If not, do it anyway and listen to, I don't know, whatever you're listening to. But hopefully you're listening to all of the stuff that we've got coming your way next. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this and we will see you next time, everybody. This has been another Smart Out Moment and we're being counted out. 